Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You make all these great episodes of Noah a little more, and they're great, but do you just know this stuff? And where does that music come from? Do you have a band? Confused? Don't be. On a very special episode of Know a Little More, we'll help you know a little more about how we make Know a Little More. Know a Little More. It's the episode you're listening to, so I don't have to explain what it is because you found it. But how do we make it? Well, I've touched on this at the Daily Tech News Show editor's desk, which the patrons get, uh, but I wanted to go into it more fully for everyone to understand. And to do that, I have to bring on the person who helps create the final version of it that gets into your ears, uh, our associate producer, Anthony Lemos, a.k.a. Amos. Amos, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. And apologies in advance for making you listen to yourself. When you edit this episode. <laughs> that, that is a thing that, that is not fun, yes. Yeah, and if, if you're like, wait, that's kind of rude. Why are you saying that? Everybody hates listening to themselves when they edit. They, there may be some exceptions out there, uh, but they are exceptions. Almost all of us are like, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to hear myself. You, you may get over hearing yourself in your monitors, but you never get over hearing yourself when you're editing. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole different thing. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to go through from beginning to end what I do to create the episodes, what I do to record the episodes, then uh, what Amos does when he gets those recordings, how how he makes them uh, sound nice and tight and good and adds in the music and all of that sort of thing. Uh, so let's start at the beginning. And, and I'll probably have questions for Amos when we talk about the production. I know Amos has questions for me as we talk about the creation. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the beginning, really, is probably the most collaborative part of Know A Little More, which is what topic should I do? That, that right. that's kind of the big one. Uh, we have a spreadsheet where I have a, a tab full of possible topics. I'll tell you that a lot of the topics come from, from, from my, the ones that I come up with come from doing DTNS running into something and going, wait, I, you know what? I don't fully understand what that is. I'll brush up on it really quickly to be able to talk about it on DTNS. And then I'll make a note to be like, if I don't know what it is, as much as I would like. I bet a lot of other people wouldn't. And so that's how you get trusted platform module or lithium ion batteries, those, those kinds. Uh, there were a bunch that were just kind of obvious, like Bluetooth and, and Thunderbolt and all, all those sorts of things. Right. Uh, and then Amos, you've, you've come up with ideas. Roger's come up with ideas. Joe has come up with ideas uh, where, where we kind of throw them in that topic bin. 
Yeah, and I think a, a large part of it isn't necessarily that you don't understand the topic or you don't think the audience understands the topic, but there's some nuance to it that needs a little bit deeper of a dive to really explore and explain why Bluetooth 5 is different than Bluetooth 4 or HDMI 2.1 is much different than HDMI 1.0. Yeah, um, I I definitely wanted to do Trusted Platform Module because we were having all those stories about Windows needing to use the TPM. And it's not like I didn't know what the TPM was, but there were all these ins and outs that I kept learning mm-hmm. as if we were covering those stories. Like, oh, right, I didn't realize that the TPM... Oh, I didn't know there were multiple versions of the TPM. So I'm like, that's going to make right. a good know a little more. And it helps me because, and we'll get to this in a minute, once I start diving deep, then I'm I'm learning stuff as we go. Uh, we have one on HDR TV that just came out. That was from Roger. Uh, I was yeah. talking about doing to know a little more on Monday, and I just happened to to say, you know, I haven't I haven't quite decided which one I'm going to do. And Roger's like, ah, oh, my dad was asking me so many things about HDR. Maybe that's a good one. I'm like, oh, that's perfect, right? Uh, a yep. father who's like running into it in the world, like, what is this HDR? I keep seeing it when I go to the store to buy, you know, shop for TVs. Uh, and so I did one on HDR, which was great because I learned all kinds of things about HDR I didn't know. And I think there's, and I'm sure we'll get into this in a second, but there's a, a balance that you maintain between really diving into the specs and the, and the nitty gritty of it and that upper level that your average Best Buy employee would know. You know, there, there's a mushy <laughs> middle in the middle and you, you find a balance in there where it keeps it more interesting and more informative, but not so nuanced that it's boring. Yeah, I'm trying to play to all fields. I want someone who knows almost nothing like only knows just enough to know they want to know a little more about the topic to the person who's like, well, you know, I, I'm all brushed up on Bluetooth, but uh, let me let me listen. Let me listen to what they have to say here. I want it. I want it to appeal to all of them as much as possible. Maybe a little tilt towards the the less knowledgeable, uh, but with respect for the person who who has the knowledge. Uh, so, yeah, that the, sort of the next amorphous phase is collecting links mostly sometimes little snatches of information but throughout the day as i'm i'm doing dtns trusted platform module again another example of this of me going ah that's a good link let me save that one for know a little mm-hmm. more research or maybe making a note or something like that and i i will save those in reminders honestly <laughs> i use the reminders <laughs> app uh on mac and ios uh to save that i use it for that and it's a thing those those are the things that go in there maybe some top five ideas go in there sometimes too but it's kind of my holding bin of like ah, i'm gonna need this later and so that that's kind of an ongoing background working on it when i have time so that builds up a lot of knowledge and a lot of resources until the time that it's a chance for me to do the the episode. Now, we're talking almost entirely about episodes that are just me explaining a topic. We do have interviews. Mm-hmm. Those kind of mm-hmm. follow a different path. That's usually I'm emailing with someone and they mention something that makes me think, gosh, that'd make a great know a little more. And so I'll be like, hey, would you do an interview for know a little more and explain this? Uh, so the one that we had about 5G interference in airplane systems, or I've done a couple with Andy Beach uh, on video. Those are examples of, of one where I just rely on the knowledge of the person I'm interviewing, you know, and then I just right. need to know enough to answer the right, ask the right questions. We schedule an interview. For the rest of it, there'll be a day where I will have time away from DTNS. Uh, so usually on a Monday, but sometimes on other days where Rich and Sarah kind of take the helm with whoever's on. And I will spend all of the time 
that I would normally spend on Daily Tech News Show pulling together all of that stuff that I've captured, like pulling it out of reminders, pulling it out of my own brain and putting it down. And the the rundown for how that goes is usually opening all the links I already have, doing a search to find other source material. If it's a standard, I want whatever the standard organization page on that is, Wikipedia pages on it. Uh, any kind of good explainers from sources I trust, like how stuff works, uh, other resources. And then I'll often start with either the standards page or the Wikipedia, whatever the most general source that I trust. And I'll, I'll start reading through it and popping notes. And these days I already have an order in my head. I'm going to tell you what the thing stands for, what it's mm-hmm. supposed to do, how it got there, what its history is how it does what it does, and then any other aspects of it that are helpful to understand it. That's kind of the general rundown in my head. So I'll just start reading the most general thing and popping notes like, ah, that's going to be helpful for the history. Okay, that one's good for the later section. Ah, that's how it works. And and sort of making them conversational as I go. Then I'll go to the next one, the How Stuff Works article or the ZDNet article or the Ars Technica article. Uh, and it's usually, I don't know, Amos, what do you think? Probably a dozen links end up being used over the course it it started as maybe three or four and i think that's because i was closing tabs instead of giving him all of them uh lately you've you've had between anywhere between eight and 15 yeah yeah at the bottom of the of the script page yeah that sounds about right because what i do is i i close it i used to close the tab and be like, oh, I need to open a couple of these tabs for the links, which is why it was only three or four. Uh, now I leave everything open, and I only close it if I'm like, yeah, there was nothing in there. I'm not using anything about this, so let me close that tab. So once I've got that framework, then I'll kind of scan through it. I won't fully read it, but I'll look for things where I I knew, and sometimes I'll be taking notes as I go to myself. I put them in all caps of like, what is, uh, there was a good one with HDR. Oh, um, what is HDR photo? Like, I wasn't going to go into explaining it, but I, I, I'm like, you know what? I better open the HDR photo. Uh, you know, what? what is, uh, there'll, there'll be things where I'm like, I need a better explanation of that. And then I'll go do another search and find a good article on that thing and find the piece of information. I'm like, ah, that explains it. Okay, let me put that right. in there. Leave that open. Then once I've got all of that together, I read through it word by word and polish it. And be like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Oh, this actually belongs in a later section. Uh, this isn't a complete sentence. Uh, you know, let me make it read. All of that probably takes the majority of the time. The majority of the time right. is reading and understanding and taking the notes and then getting it to that point where I can do one final read through. Sometimes on that final read through, I'll even identify a gap where I'm like, that's not clear. I think I need one more piece of information. I'll go and I'll find that link, uh, find that information. And then at the very end, I've got uh, the rundown. Now, sometimes I will know enough that I could even sketch it out ahead of time before I start reading into the links. Sometimes I don't. So it, it kind of it kind of varies. But in the end, I've got this well-cited, well-researched copy. And I, I keep wanting to go back and like, but you, you have to understand that takes a lot of time. I, I, I just explained it in a very short amount of time. But it's it's I'm sitting here like that. That's the stuff I'm doing up till almost showtime for DTNS. Right. Uh, and then, then I will open up my audio hijack and I'll do two recordings. Um, yes. 
the, the this has changed over the, over the course of the show, but I will do one recording where I'm just reading it and I'm stopping every once in a while where I'm like, ah, that was kind of awkward. Let me rephrase that. Or, oh, there's a misspelling I didn't catch earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's kind of a garbage track for Amos to have in case he needs it, right? Uh, in case I, I, you, I, I call it a scratch track. Yeah, scratch track uh, is is a, is a, a nicer word for it. Uh, you know, if it's like, ooh, there there was a hiccup in the recording, or Tom sniffled and didn't realize it, maybe he can go grab the phrase out of this first recording and patch right. it in. The second Which recording, I've, I've done exactly twice. Oh, okay, that's actually um, that's not bad. Only twice. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Then the second recording is okay. I, the the copy is nice and clean now. Let me do one good performance of this even in that recording there will sometimes be a like i screwed that up let me stop and re-record but i won't stop i won't re-record the whole thing i'll just re-record right. from the moment that i screwed up uh and, and that's when you usually enough. highlight yeah that's what yeah. usually when you highlight in the script hey this is one of the bleeps or whatever and uh, yeah i'll try to try to let you know with a with a yellow highlight uh in the google doc of the script uh which i didn't mm-hmm. mention i take that script and i put it in a google doc that amos can see um and then usually that's it. In my mind, I reserve the right to record it again if I didn't like it. I don't think I've ever done that. Have I? There's been, uh, I think, one time we did a, a post-production p- pickup. Ah, uh, yeah, that's but, right. But it was it was a correction on the pronunciation of something. It wasn't like a factual yeah. change. Okay. All right. So. Um, so, yeah. So, usually I'm giving that. – that's when I'll let Amos know, okay, the, the wave file – for HDR, whatever it is I recorded, is now in the Dropbox, have at it, and then it goes into the magical Amos box and comes out beautiful. <laughs> what happens from that point, Amos? Uh, the first thing I do is I create a folder with, uh, I have a template folder that has all the music in the background, all, all that stuff uh, already set up for Audition, which is what I edit in, and I will create a copy of that folder. I will rename it to be whatever the name of the episode is. And I have a standard naming format that I use and, and I'm really meticulous about that stuff. And then I'll put your, uh, the files that you sent me into that folder and I'll rename it as a master track. And then I'll make a copy of that so that I'm never messing with the track that you sent me. I'm only, only changing around the track that I, you know, a separate track. So I always have a backup to go to the original if I need to. I will take that into audition, and the first thing I do not is not the I master find track, but the the copy of the master. The track. copy, yeah. Okay. The master track never never gets yeah. touched again. Preferably. That's source material. That's important. Yeah. I, I didn't realize yes. I did that. That that's that's super smart because stuff happens, right? Yeah, and I've I've actually found because of the way that you record the tracks in um, Audio Hijack, what I can do is instead of having to actually make a copy of it, I'll import the original track into audition, and then I'll split out the mono tracks because you record in stereo and I'll just take the left channel out of that uh, okay. and that creates a second file. And then the original file is just left undisturbed. So then I have just the, the left side of your stereo track, which is, you know, there's right and left are exactly the same. I don't know why yeah, I choose in this left. case they are, but yeah, yes. It's yeah. because so of your I'll, political leanings, but we don't. <laughs> <have to know. laughs> Actually, I think it's because on my mixer, it says left for mono or left and right for stereo, but uh, whatever. Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. Um, I'll take that and I will find the beginning of your actual good run. And I will cut everything before that and slide it to the side to where it's still there, but it's not in my workspace particularly. Gotcha. Yeah. So you can you can go grab it if you decide you need it, but it's not in your way. 
Right, right. And then I will go into the waveform, the actual file itself, instead of the multi-track, which is where I do my final editing. I'll go into the waveform because in, when you're editing in Audition, if you edit in the waveform, it'll actually merge the the waveform of the file together instead of having a hard chop. So if you're dealing with single tracks, that's the best way to go because it just sounds more natural no matter what edit you're doing. And I'll go through and I'll give it a once over, or just a straight listen, straight through, cutting out big chunks. Because sometimes you do, you know, when you mess up a sentence or mess up a pronunciation, you'll go back to the beginning of the sentence, back to the beginning of the paragraph, and you just start from right there and go forward with it. Um, and I'll take that and just cut out those big chunks. And then I, what, when I do that, I'm trying to give you as much flexibility as possible, right? Because right. if I if I mess up the word, oh, okay, the word, that doesn't give you as much, right? So if right. I'm if I'm going to go back, I'll be like, all right. So I'm giving you as much as possible, so that right, I'm going to go back and give you all of that, yep. and that way, it's it's smoother, right? It gives you uh, a yes. place to edit that that there was a pause. Uh, and if you're like, Oh, actually I just need that one word. It gives you flexibility to choose. Right. And anytime you start from the middle, you always put a little bit different emphasis on the word that you start with. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. sound as natural if you you edit from right there. So if I can edit from a pause or even just the beginning of a sentence, even if it's just a a non-pause, you know, just the one sentence ends and the next one begins in the same breath, there's still a difference in your inflection. And this is true for most speakers. There's a difference in inflection at the beginning of the sentence as there is at the end, or especially in the middle. So it just sounds smoother if I can start at the beginning of a sentence. So yeah. I'll go through and I'll cut those out and just kind of, I won't even necessarily line them up right. It'll just be cut out to where I don't have any of the extra stuff. And during that that listen through, I also listen for anytime you only took something once, but something was mispronounced. And that's mm-hmm. when I'll reach over to that scratch track and see where I can find you saying that sentence or something very close to that sentence. So I can grab that and put that in there in the place of the mispronounced sentence. And once I'm done with that, then I'll take it into the multi-track view. I'll line it up. I always line up the very first thing. The first syllable that comes out of your mouth is lined up at eight seconds every single time, because that's how I have my template drawn out. Tom starts talking at eight seconds and I will go through. I'm saying something dumb. Basically (laughs) is usually how it starts. So I, I'll, I'll line it up at the eight second mark and then I will fade in the music according to where you put your pause because sometimes a little intro section is longer than other times. Mm-hmm. But you always give me a little bit of a break there where you're usually you're taking a sip of water or just a nice big breath. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll realign the trailing off of the music to where it, it just barely covers that gap. And then I'll start going through and actually doing the hard cuts. Okay, this is, you know, these two words, this sentence, he takes a second breath, or it's a little bit too long here. I need to shorten that that delay between these sentences, or this needs to be expanded a little bit because he kind of ran from one paragraph to another and there's not a real break in there. And I'll do all of that. And then at the end, I have a pretty decent finished product and I'll make sure that the the closing music is lined up properly, which is kind of subjective. Depends on how you say the know a little more about such and such. Sometimes I have to put it in a little bit later because you kind of trail off at the end. Sometimes you end really strong so I can bring it in a little bit sooner. Um, And that's when I'll have my multi-track section done. And what about the music? So my go-to place to get all music for podcasts anytime that I'm I'm offered the opportunity to find music is Kevin McLeod because he makes an amazing assortment of music and he 
is very happy to let people use his music for projects. And that's exactly where we got the music for Know a Little More. And then I, I have a, a standard set of um, adjustments that I make to every podcast I edit. It's like my Amos sound. And I will run it through those. I'll export it as a wave. And is that and like take, leveling, sweetening? What, did, what, what are those things? Uh, so one of them is um, just an EQ adjustment. You uh-huh. have a very deep voice, and I have a certain EQ that'll deeper voices kind of they want to be muddled on the bottom. So a little high pass filter sometimes. That's that's usually dependent on, on the person. That's why I sound like you. this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not quite, exactly. Not quite that dramatic. Yeah. Right, but I'll, I'll make sure that the, the the EQ that I have that is standard for everybody. It makes sure that uh, really tinny voices or uh, especially mm-hmm. women can really hit the syllabus in an S at a certain frequency really hard, and it it brings that down a little bit. It brings the the bass in a man's voice. It just empties some of the bottom out so mm-hmm. that there's not that rumble the entire time they're talking. Um, I also have RX-8, and I use the deplosive because as good as I want to try to pretend I am at removing plosives from the wave file, I'll still miss some, or there'll be some that you just can't quite play with right that still gives you a good sound. Plosives while getting rid being of the- popping your P's or B's, right? Yes, and, yeah, exactly. Anytime you're using your, your lips to form a consonant sound, and forcing air through them at a sudden rate, you can get a plosive, and nobody. So likes Amos it. wants me to stop saying plosive so much, <laughs> so he won't have to fix all my plosive plosives. I actually will probably leave these in so that people understand. Yeah, what actually, that, that's fair. You really should, so they understand as they hear. On the other side of that is, is sibilance, and I didn't really explain that. Sibilance is the S sound that that really sharp. Yeah. You'll get it during C's, and you'll get it uh, a lot during S's. Anytime you have that that s sound, you'll it's a certain frequency. Men and women are really close on that frequency, typically, and bringing that down just improves the listening ex- listening experience for the for the listener. So it's, it makes it less jarring. Yes. So yeah. typically, what you want is if you're listening in a car, you don't want low rumble because you can't it melds in with the road. And if you're listening in headphones in a quiet environment, you don't want the the sibilance because it's piercing. It's mm-hmm. piping straight into yeah, your ears yeah, and it yeah. just it's jarring. So um, and then of course I have a uh, leveling that I do on all the tracks within Audition, and then once I export that that whole multi track file, I'll export it as as a wave. I will then slide it into Auphonic. And I've got my Auphonic settings set, set up for basically industry standard. And so Auphonic is is like a, just a it's like a piece of software that just goes and like crunches it up into the right form. Yes, yes, it, it's a compressor. It goes through and it'll it'll bring up some of the quieter sounds. It'll bring down some of the louder sounds, and it'll make sure that it matches the standard negative six dB. Uh, industry standard that has been decided by somebody for podcasts. Somewhere out there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And really what that does is no matter what changes I make in the files themselves, when it goes through Auphonic, it comes out sounding the way that Amos's edits sound. All of my edits sound have this characteristic to it if you really want to listen to it. Um, and that is, that's part of that chain. That's the last step. So that's like the, the finishing on it. Everything sounds good as it is, but now I just need to make sure that there's no errant signals, nothing crazy going out that I just didn't catch. And this is a, a fairly simple show, right? It's a, yes. it's a, it's one voice. Most of the time there it's different mm-hmm. when there's, there's an interview of course, but um, 
and, and it's just you know there's not a lot of sound effects or anything you have to add or or, or stuff like that. It's just the music at the beginning and the end. Uh, right. And there, there, there's still a lot of steps to make that sound good. Yeah. And if there are multiple people, then you start having to worry about timing between the speakers. Is mm-hmm. this person, uh, are they, is there a long delay? Is it, is it a narrative delay or is it just a, a delay that can go away and you can just continue the conversation? And as a lot of your guests, they're really concerned with how they sound. So a lot of the ums and uhs and just the vocatives, I will, I'll try to remove everything I can from the guests just to give them the cleanest sound and, and produce the most confidence-inspiring track that I can for them. For you, Tom, just your natural tone of speaking, if I took out all the ums and uhs, people would underst- would know immediately, this is edited, it sounds weird. But any <laughs> hard any any hard ums where there's a, there's a, a, a blank space, then an um or an uh, and then another blank space, that's gone. That should never be there. there. Yeah, there, the, there is a difference between me going... It's like uh, when you that's on that's intentional, right? You want to leave that in versus like right. uh, on a very special episode uh, on a very special episode of Noah, you know, like, like oh, yeah, he didn't. Right. Inten- that's not making it make more sense. That's interesting. Right. I hadn't even thought about that. And and it's not implying um, like, that you're thinking about it, because sometimes an um or an uh really goes into what the person's saying. And if they're thinking right. about the answer, it adds narrative to their response. And you right. don't, I, sometimes they'll say it uh, 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 three, four times, usually not that quick. That's me being exaggerated, but you take out the first couple and just leave that last one there to give the listener a, an experience that this person's really thinking about what they're about to say. Exactly. A cue into how their, their, what their mental process is. If they have the answer right off the hand, or if there's something that they're really considering, you want to leave some of those in there, but anything that's any hard ums, us, or like any of those vocatives that people just carry forward, all those, I want to get rid of every one of those. And for the guests, I will try to clean up every little bit. A lot of our guests stutter a little bit, mostly because they're nervous because they're talking to Tom Merritt. But I will take out every bit of that stuttering that I can without making it sound unnatural. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the art of it right there. So, right. so at this point, you've got a file, uh, you've run it through Auphonic, uh, and then you make that an MP3? That's an MP3, right? Well, there's one more thing that you have to do before you make yeah. it an MP3. Okay. You put, I put it back into Audition on a clean slate Audition, so I've closed everything, but Audition is still open. I put it back in there, and I open it as a waveform, so I can check the waveform, because I can't tell you how many times I have found that on the looking at the waveform, you can see where there's a gap that you didn't notice before. Uh-huh. Or there, the file is 15 minutes, but there's only 11 minutes of content. And for some reason, there's just an extra four minutes at the end before the music kicks in. And that's kind of a visual check for an audio file to make sure that there are no blatant discrepancies. And yeah. from Audition, I will then create the MP3. I could create the MP3 from Alphonic, but I like that last visual inspection before it goes out. Yeah, and that's important because um, I, w- I won't throw them under the bus, but there was a podcast I was listening to whose music was in the wrong place recently. Uh, you know, there was a pause where you th- where the intro music for the segment would normally happen, and then the person started talking, and then the intro music played. And I was like, I know exactly what happened. They they were editing, and they moved one track and forgot to go back and move the other. And I bet you they even did the double check and just just missed it. I, I'm I'm not. Uh, that's why I don't want to name the person because mistakes happen. It's human error, right? Right. But that's why you look is to try to catch those. 
uh, yep. and 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 keep them to a minimum. Yeah, because if I wanted to check it uh, by listening to it, that's you know, I'd end up listening to the same track fifteen times before I finally. You got to do it, it in real there. time. Yeah, yeah, and that's right. Fifteen right. minutes every time, rough or give or take, right? Yeah. So just a quick visual check, and if it passes the visual check, then I'll export it as MP3. I'll make sure the file it goes by my naming convention, which I've already said I'm pretty pretty specific about yeah uh and you know if it's a draft then I'm, if, if i want you to consider it it'll be whatever the name of the file is then underscore draft if it's something i want you to consider for actual publication it'll be a v1 v2 v3 and on and on and then it's it's always i always follow that same filing format so when you see a file in your email that i've sent you an mp3 of whatever episode it is you know exactly what show it's for what episode it is and what I consider this file to be. What do I consider it to be a rough draft? Do I consider it to be a release, con- you know, consideration? You'll know. And then if you look in, in, you have several files, each one is named differently and sequential. So you know exactly what the latest one is. Yeah. And that's helpful for me because when I see draft, I know, oh, and, and Amos will also say this in the email, but I'll know, uh, I need to listen for something he tried and isn't sure whether it works or not, or, or there's a question about whether there was a pronunciation is correct or not. Something like that. Uh, if it, if it's just V two or whatever, then I know like, Oh, this one's probably pretty clean. Great. Uh, and I am the final listen. If someone's out there like, yes. really, you just look at the waveform and then publish it. No, it goes back to me who hasn't been listening to it continuously over and over, which for right. all of us, whether you're looking at copy or listening to an audio, you start to get a little familiar and, we just naturally as humans are more likely to miss something because we're used to it. Uh, so it goes back to me to listen for fresh ears to be like, yeah, no, I'm not hearing anything weird or very rarely I'll be like, Oh, there's a pause there. Can you take that out? Or there was a weird hiccup here and even more rare. I think uh, you tell me if I'm, I'm imagining uh, the things, but even more rare would be me changing my mind and saying, you know, we said this, but I, I want to rerecord that. I think that's happened maybe once. So I, I can I can actually tell you because I remember distinctly you've wanted to go back and retract something one time when, that I thought was fine. One time I've gone back and said you need to re-record this uh-huh. and you and you did. Yeah. And one time I gave you a file that passed my visual check but it didn't pass your audio check because something was out of place. Right. Yeah. So, but th- this record, is th- this. Yeah, yeah not bad. Uh, I'm. I mean, I'm not super proud of it because there were some errors on my part, but. It didn't go out to the live audience, and that's what really matters. That's why it's a team team effort. Yeah. And that said, and I and I don't say this to you, I say this to the audience, you're going to hear things that neither one of us heard, right? You're going to catch stuff because there are thousands of you, <laughs> right? And so, it, I mean, gosh, if we could run the audio file past thousands of people, we'd we'd catch even even more little stuff. But the whole idea is to get it as close to to perfect as as possible. You're never going to experience perfection. I say that as someone who publishes books where every right. time, every ask any author, every published book, they find something later. We're like, oh, that's not right. Uh, yep. It's just it's just really, really difficult uh, to, to make that perfectly clean. So uh, we go through all of this to try to get it as good as possible so that really the majority of you are just going to listen to it and, and not think twice. You're, you're just going to be like, yeah, that sounds great. Good uh, information sounds great. That that's what we're hoping for every time. Right. Uh, and then I guess the only thing we haven't talked about is actual publication. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we, 
so, so Brilliant LLC publishes everything through Acast that I know of, that, I, that I'm even... Or Patreon. It's Acast and or, Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything that I touch goes through those two. So Patreon is very, it's dead simple. It, it could mostly because I have previous experience with it for my own podcasts and, and other works that I've done and things like that. It's really simple. You upload the file, you upload a picture, you punch in a little bit of whatever in the, in the narrative, you make sure it has a title and send it and it's good. And the, the scheduling for the episodes, because we always publish a little early, the scheduling for the episodes, it automatically changes it to Alaska Standard Time which is where I live. That's nifty. Keep that in mind. That's an important note. Mm. Then we go to Acast, and Acast recently changed the way that they do their publishing process. It's not more difficult. It's just different, so I'm still kind of getting used to it. But that is even straightforward. You upload the file into the show folder, the show section, and you put all the information in there. It scans the file, preps it for ads, whatever they do behind the scenes. You tell it where you want the ads, which for no little more is one at the beginning, one at the end. So yeah, I have to make sure there's no mid-roll ad because it sometimes tries to throw, it out, throw that in there. Mm-hmm. And go to publish it. Then comes in the hard part, which is before I can publish the, the file on Acast, I have to put in a link to the post on the website. But the post on the website needs the links to the file on Acast that it's not going to give me until I publish. So there's a little back and forth between those two as far as I set it up in Acast, then I go and make the post on dailytechnewsshow.com. I get that ready. And of course, it gives me the link on top. And this is a a viewer or a listener has actually called me out on this one time and they were Mm. completely correct in doing so. I was right-clicking that link at the top of the WordPress site to get the link for the file, uh, but the, uh, sending it to the temporary link that it gives you yeah, pre-publishing. Yeah, you get the preview link, right? Yeah, even though the text that I was clicking on was the actual link. Yeah. So now I, I have to make sure that I copy the exact link, put that in ACAST, publish it, copy those links for the file itself into the WordPress, and then I can publish that. Uh, ACAST is really simple on when to adjust the time to schedule it out. Again, it sets it to Alaska Standard Time, really easy. The WordPress site is set to UTC. Mm -hmm. So I have to add nine hours or 10 hours or nine hours. Time of year. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that took me forever to get a, to like grasp. And I just, I don't know why it took so long, but that was like the biggest bugaboo in my mind for the longest time. Yeah. It's kind of annoying. I think there's a setting we could change in WordPress uh, that would, that would fix the appearance but then uh, I'd be publishing the show at like four o'clock on, on Thursdays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't do it now. You've right. Adapted, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so, but then but that's and, the and actual then publishing. It, it's all scheduled, right? You do this yeah. ahead of time. Uh, and then on Thursday, which is when we publish know a little more, uh, it'll pop up in Patreon. It'll pop up on WordPress. It'll pop up in the Acast feeds. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's how it pops up everywhere that people get it. And I will say Patreon will get it first because Patreon's quicker at publishing than ACAST is. Mm-hmm. Uh, ACAST subscribers will get it next. And then about 10 minutes after ACAST gets it, it'll show up on the WordPress site because we've learned that if you push it too early on the WordPress site on dailytechnewsshow.com, it will actually not have the links in there properly until sometimes the next day. So we always put the WordPress publication as you know whatever hour plus 10 minutes. 
so yeah. that it publishes just a little later to make sure those links are live on Acast. Which doesn't delay it showing up in podcast feeds, but if you were like, let's say we had an eight-minute know a little more, you got it the minute it hit your RSS, listen to it, and then you're like, I need that link. You, you might have to wait two minutes for it to show up on WordPress. <laughs> Most people right. are not going to be in that situation, so it, I, I don't think right. it ends up uh, even being apparent uh, to right. anybody. Yeah, and and if if you're if you're listening to know a little more from the web page because you can't have your phone at work or whatever else, and you are you wondering why it takes an extra ten minutes, now you know. Now you go. Now you know. Uh, in fact, now you know a little more about how we make know a little more. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Amos. 